You're listening to High Temperature Times, that thing refractory people listen to when they're driving to the job site. My name is Griffin Patterson, and I'm an application specialist with Harbison Walker International, a member of Calderas. You might have heard, you might not have. A lot has been happening with HWI over the last several months. Our beloved refractory company was acquired by Platinum Equity, who also acquired Calderas a couple months prior. Hence the slight tweak to the intro earlier you probably caught on to. All that development means that everything you know and love about HWI is now even more. New names, new global expert, but most importantly, new products. So this month on HTT, I'll be bringing on research engineer Field and Clower to talk about some of the new products and the new product families offered through the new HWI Calderas. But before we get into that, let's rock out with a technical marketing inbox. Remember, if you've got a question you want featured on the podcast, reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com and use the subject line podcast. This month's question comes from Will Blackwater asking, how can I effectively hand pack a refractory lining? Well, I would thank you for that question, Will, but I really don't want to. Hand packing is one of those black art installation method that everyone knows, but no refractory company wants to talk about. If you really want to shape a refractory body to a vessel, use plastic, ram it in. But some people don't want to do that. Instead, they want to mix up a refractory drier than a popcorn fart in the desert in hopes that it will be workable enough to stick to the wall but dry enough not to slump. It takes a good installer with a good eye to get the right water level to effectively mix and activate the refractory and install it without leaving voids, laminations, all before the mix starts to set. The best materials to use here are gunites because they're designed to stick to the wall with very little water and set up within a workable amount of time without slumping. The only gunning product that I have really ever seen on the market that actively promotes hand packing is GunTech 60. It actually has a water addition, 11 to 12.5%, and a mixing time, one minute on the data sheet, and it will give you 20 minutes of working time. Aside from that, there are some troweling mixes like KS4T that can take a small degree of, you know, some pseudo hand packing, but they have their own limitations. Chances are, if you're looking for the installation flexibility that typically requires hand packing, GunTech 60 will be able to do everything you need and do it well. Thanks for the question, I guess. Let's get back to the action and talk about some great new brands. But you're not going to hear it from me. You'll hear it from research engineer Fielding Clower. Welcome, Fielding. Hello. Can you start by telling a little bit about your background and your history in the refractory industry? I'm sure quite a few of the brands that we'll be talking about exist in large part because of your work, right? Yes, over over the years uh, at uh, Spar and Calders, I've developed quite a few products. As far as my background, I'm a Penn State grad. Started out at J.H. Uh, France Refractories, then went to Resco, then went to Spar, and then in 2016, Spar was purchased by Calders, and now I'm with Harbison Walker. So, are you a ceramic engineer by background, or what do you do at Penn State? Yes, I'm a my degree's in ceramic science and engineering. All right, if we went into every new product available in the Calderas HWI combined portfolio, we'd be here all week. In fact, I'd say we don't really even have time to get into all the new products that HWI will be manufacturing at our own existing HWI plants, but we'll do our best to hit the highlights. In total, we'll be taking 69 products previously manufactured at Spar Calder's facilities and making them available at HWI manufacturing plants like Monterey, Vandalia, South Point, and Smithfield. Building, can you walk through the cliff notes of you know, what it takes to make that happen? We had all these products that were previously manufactured in Jacksonville, and now they're being manufactured elsewhere, right? I know it's not as simple as mixing dirt in a bag, no matter how often we like to joke about that in the refractory industry, right? 
Yes, uh, you are so right. It, it is a, a huge process and it involves a tremendous number of people. Um, I actually only have one small part of that. Uh, the, the team at the ATRC has taken the formulations that we provided and have created versions of those products based on the raw materials that the various plants use. And then those formulations have been uh, reviewed by the QC folks at the plant and the operations folks to see how well they will work. And then production runs have been made. And I've been reviewing the, the formulations, reviewing the, uh, the initial data, and have been involved in the process of, of approving uh, the, the resulting products. And we've, we've approved a lot of them. I've, I've lost track of the number, but, uh, but we've been able to uh, successfully transfer a number of products. Now, you're going to ask, okay, what happens if we don't meet the spec on the first time around? Well, then we just go back to the drawing board, make adjustments, and, uh, and then the process starts all over. But it's, it's been a, a very team-oriented, focused process. That has been our primary focus for the last, I would say, three or four or five months. And uh, so it, there's been a tremendous amount of work involved. And I, I think we've got some excellent successes. Yeah, I, I think I remember hearing that the, uh, the product approval process began before the rest of the company even knew that the merger had been completed. <laughs> but yeah, to, to really talk on the whole, like, what happens if, if it doesn't meet the specifications, that's at every single level. So if, if, the, if the lab team mixes up a little soap bar batch that doesn't meet the properties, well, then we go back to the raw materials. And if the plant mixes it up, and the properties aren't met from the plants, well, then we go back to the lab and then maybe we go back to the raw materials. And then we're going to do the same thing. We're, we're, not, we're not completely done. We're still at the field trial stage, right? So certain customers that are familiar with SPAR products are now at the process of taking these HWI manufactured products and trying them in the field, right? Correct. Yeah. That process is really uh, in the early stages. Yeah, I, I had a boss tell me that uh, that maybe it's too early to be doing this podcast, but I don't know. Let, let's let's get it out into the world now, so all of the people who listen to this podcast and all the customers who are out there know that we're ready to be talking to you about these products. So suffice it to say, all of this is still going on as we speak. Many products are cleared through plant trials and are undergoing field trials, while others still have maybe a few more weeks to go. But barring all that, these products will be available, and orders are always being entered. The refractory industry doesn't stop for us, right? So let's get into them. Rather than talking about all 69 brands being brought over, we'll focus on the brand families and make call-outs as they seem relevant. If you've had the pleasure of utilizing enough of the current HWI portfolio, you know that nomenclature is a lot. You know, the VersaFlows, the green lights, the aluminum percentages or temp ratings, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're going to pile onto that some more. <laughs> and here's why we, that's why we have fielding here, doing all the hard work for us. So let's start with something fairly standard, uh, Sparcast. Uh, so fielding, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, Sparcast products and maybe some key brands in the family and where you might see them, the history behind them, you know, what, what have you? Sure. Uh, the Sparcast product line is, is a very broad product line. 
in general, it, it, it would be the products that we historically consider conventional castables. They're, they're high cement. Uh, they're mixed to a ball in hand consistency or they're gunned or we, we have some pumpable products, but in general, they fall into that high cement category and they're used in every industry that we serve. So, I mean, given the fact that they're conventional cement, is it safe to say that these are like the historical products that basically came out before really low cement was even a thing? Yes, that would be an accurate statement. And and part of the product line uh, has existed for a long time. But in uh, the last five, even four or five years, we have created products that are new and and innovative. And uh, we have products that you can cast in the conventional manner at at a ball in hand consistency and then vibrate it into place or, or trowel it into place. We have products that will gun. We have products that will pump. We have products that, that you can hand pack (laughs) and there's very much an art to that. Uh, we have products, uh, that even though we have plastics, uh, they can be rammed into place if it's a thin line. Yeah. I I didn't mean that to say that, uh, that product development stopped a hundred years ago. I, I, I once had a, had someone tell me like, Oh, I don't, I give me the new product. I don't want something that was developed 80 years ago. And at the end of the day, like even that product that was developed 80 years ago is still tweaked and improved in all that time. But, um, I noticed that there's, there's also some Sparkast LC products, which are, are low cement. Is there anything we're talking about, you know, how, how that came about in the Sparkast category? Cause it, in, in the next question, I'll ask you about SparkCon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the uh, SPAR low cement product line, we have two categories. Uh, the SPARcast LC line is the line that's targeted more towards uh, metals processing industries. And the SPARCon line was developed uh, for general industry markets, power, incineration, petrochem, uh, etc. Et um, so it's... Uh, There's a lot of variety in the product line. Um, We have products that are designed to simply be vibration cast. We have products that are designed to be pumped. We have products that gun. We have products that hand pack. Um, But they're all targeted in those two general categories. Sparcast LC, like I say, is more towards the metals industry because it's tailored more for higher temperatures. Uh, whereas the SparCon line is tailored more for the temperatures encountered in the in, incineration power petrochem uh, market. Yeah, so I mean, just making sure I understand that correctly, SparCon being developed for, I'll just say, non-metal contact type industries. Um, they're taught they're looking at low cement as the chemical interactions that can happen with cement. Versus the Sparkast LC is more talking about the fact that cement is a flux. Lower cement castables have higher temperature ratings. Am I correct in that? You are correct. Uh, and uh, a lot of the application specific criteria, you know, depends on alumina level, the the design of the uh, the fine portion of the mix, 
and and the specific demands of each application. That's why we created the Spark Online to supplement the Sparkast LC line because the uh, conditions in the furnaces on the general industry side are are, are so much different than the uh, conditions in the metal producing furnaces. So everything is is tailored towards the application. And then in, in the last of that dense SPAR product category would be SPAR Fire. Surely SPAR Cast and SPAR Con can handle fire too. So what's so different about these bad boys? The SPAR Fire line is, is essentially a catchy name uh, for products that can be dried out in a, in a more rapid manner. So you're, you're talking about like plus rated and online rated dry outs. Yes. So to, in, in that regard, how, how fast is a, if I were to just pull up the standard box standard dry out for say an, a single component, eight inch lining of a spar fire brand, what would be the, the, the rough dry out for that? For that particular situation, a single component lining, you're looking at a hundred to 200 degrees Fahrenheit per hour without holds and there are uh qualifiers there you have to be able to get the vent the moisture out of the furnace if there's a, a route for the moisture to escape you can uh heat it up quite rapidly uh without holds you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> i think that might be the first time in any Harbison Walker history that anyone suggested drying anything out faster than 100 degrees Fahrenheit per hour, <laughs> unless we're talking about the green light uh, 408, but you know, that's a very special situation. <laughs> so that spar fire might be something to give a second eye to. <laughs> All right. So th those are the big three product families to learn about. And in those, there are roughly 45 total products among them. So here's a question that I always love to ask people who deal with refractories. You know, there's just so many products with so many different little tweaks. It, it, it can be a lot to take in. I mean, I'm not expecting anyone who listens here or really anyone who deals in the refractory industry to memorize 69 products. But for dense monolithic brands, if you could sell or work, you know, in the research, maybe we'll say work on one or two brands from this grouping for the rest of your life, uh, what would you choose? Uh, my favorite products are, are the pumpable products in in most cases because they're they're easy to install the, they perform really well and we have pumpable products in all of our our monolith or our castable product lines uh e even the spar fire line isn't uh limited to one type of castable uh, you know, the spar fire line, you have insulating castables that are, that are in that line. You have dense castables, you have low cements, uh, across the board, but I've had the most fun during my time in the industry, uh, working with the pumpable mixes because the, there's a, there's a lot of variation. Uh, they're very versatile products. You can cast them, you can pump them, you can shock create them. So I would I would say that's probably my favorite. For those unfamiliar, could you name a couple of those pumpable products that maybe you'd consider in that in that group? We have for the insulating castables, we have uh, Sparlite 60P, which is a 60 pound per cubic foot pumpable product. We have Sparlite 80P, uh, which is an 80 pound per cubic foot product. Uh, as you move up 
we have uh, Sparcast 110P, which is a high cement, 110 pound per cubic foot product that is used in the petrochem industry primarily. Uh, then we have low cement castables such as Sparcon 28P, Sparcon 31P. And the 28P product is a 2800 degree product. The 31P is a 3100 degree product. So, you know, that's, and any, product that you see a P on is a pumpable product. So, you know, as people get used to, uh, or the high, the HWI team gets used to our nomenclature, uh, it, it may be, yeah, yeah, it won't be <laughs> such a big mystery. Now, if you go into the, into the plastic line, yeah, that P <laughs> there we go. We're going to confuse the issue. The P P would be phosphate, but, but not in the, in the castable. So I get the sense that you have been part of a bucket brigade for for hand cast materials that maybe you, you you're like, man, we really got to work on these pumping lines, don't we? <laughs> All right, so you, you kind of uh, you kind of buried the lead there, talking about the the lightweights a little bit. That is the other the other one coming across in the the product transfer, um, the Sparlight materials. Can you tell us about Sparlight in general? What why did we decide to include these materials when we have Castellite green light? How are they different? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm not as familiar with the Castellite green light line, but we do, uh, we do have products that are in the same class, such as the green white 45L. We have, uh, Sparlite ADHS, uh, you know, uh, what makes our product line possibly unique and would give uh, give you a reason to look at it in addition to the traditional HWI product line is that in the insulating castable line, we have the standard products that are cast at a ball in hand consistency. We uh, have gun mixes and most of our spar white products can be cast or gunned out of the same bag. So, you know, if you ordered Sparlight 60HS, you can cast it or gun it. Uh, we have pumpable products. That, those products have, have really attracted a lot of interest for, for Spar over the years because in some of these bigger units, it just makes sense to either pump or shotcrete the lining. And you can do that with uh, with a, a product such as Sparlite 60P, 60PLI, Sparlite 80P, 80PLI. And not every uh, spar product uh, in the insulating line can be uh, pumped or shotcreted, but just there again, look for, for the P. So uh, I would say that that would be the thing that would would make you want to consider uh, your options in, in the Sparlite line. I thought you were going to say the main difference is lead time. <laughs> uh, no. I, I won't get into that because that's not my area of expertise. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the, vers the versatility of install is really interesting. Uh, I think there's also versatility in material options, right? Sparlite will be manufactured at Monterey. Yeah. Whereas Castellite and Greenlight are predominantly manufactured at Minerva. So location variability, uh, different. there's slightly different raw materials that go into, so raw material variability. So that gives people some options. And I mean, really just to bury the lead, there's also the fact that, you know, there are quite a few customers out there that are quite used to this Sparlight material, and they're quite used to Sparcon materials, and they're quite used to Sparcast materials. And flat out, 
alienate them by saying, no, you have to use these now or go away, then, well, that doesn't make us a very good supplier now, does it? So Sparlight does that too, um, is it, it gives people the ability to use materials they're familiar with. So there's that. Um, so four key brand names, Sparcast, Sparkon, Sparfire, and Sparlight. Um, names that really carried some history under the, the Spar brand and, and furthermore, the, the Calderas brand. Uh, speaking of that, can you tell us a little bit more about Spar's history? Spar uh, has been around for, well, since 1982. And the folks that, uh, that created Spar had owned the Dixie Clay Company. And the Dixie Clay Company provided uh, gunnable clay uh, for use in ladles and, and iron and steel applications. Uh, but in the late 70s, and probably starting before that, uh, the demand for that type of product began to decrease. So uh, in the early 80s, the company owners decided that it was time to uh, expand their product offerings. So the Dixie Clay Company remained and was sort of partnered with, with some of our competition and SPAR was created simply to make the, the monolithics, the castables, the plastics that, that we all know today. And uh, so that was started in 1982. That business grew. Uh, but in 2002, uh, the decision was made by the owners that they wanted to go from being primarily uh, a supplier to the iron and steel industry that uh, they wanted to expand into the general industry markets. So that's when I came on board and, and, and other folks came on board to facilitate that transition. So we, we kept the iron and steel market focus as well, but from 2002 on, the company really focused on growing the general industry markets. So that's how we became the, the SPAR that we have been for the last 20 years. That's really interesting, especially considering how we were talking about the SPAR cast is predominantly metal, molten metal yeah. material, and then the extra push for low cement materials in the mid-90s and early 2000s brought SPARC on, right? And that, yeah. that lines up on the timeline there, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So aside from those four brand families, are there any other you know, possibly big names that are looking at being brought over? Yes. Uh, we are transferring a group of products that were initially Calderas products that were made only in Europe and Asia. But as we uh, began to focus on expanding our business in the aluminum industry, Calderas was very prolific in the aluminum industry in Europe and Asia. Uh, so we transferred uh, some products from the, uh, from the Alcon line, such as uh, the Alcon cast HM80, which uh, historically was, was called Highmore ADAL. So, uh, so we have the Alcon cast HM80AL. We have Alconcast LB85, which is a low cement bauxite based, hence the LB. 85 is the alumina level. 
Uh, and there uh, we have an Alcon cast MM60, which is a uh, 60% aluminum Molite based product. And those products have done quite well in, in the aluminum industry since uh, we began transferring them in 2016, 2017. Uh, and those products now, since we produce them in the U.S., are produced worldwide. And so those products have a tremendous amount of name recognition. So that's why HWI Calderas was interested in transferring them to the HWI plants. All right. Thank you, Fielding. You've been such an important part of our industry, working hard to develop these brands that people know so well. I hope that integrating them into the HWI portfolio will only bring it to more people. And with your new role at HWI, I look forward to seeing what else you have in store for us. All the new toys and raw materials you have to look at. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the products mentioned today, please do reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com or reach out to your local sales representative or technical representative. It's still early days in the merger and product transition, so be patient while we finalize these raw material qualifications, lab trials, plant trials, and field trials. But do reach out because we're doing this for you and we want your perspective. But what I want most is for you to subscribe to this podcast and listen in every month. Regardless, thanks for listening.